Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Did you know that one of crypto's best use cases is also a tax-saving strategy? I'm talking about donating crypto to your favorite charity. The Giving Block makes it easy for the crypto community to support important causes with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and dozens of other cryptos. Choose from over 1,200 vetted nonprofit organizations, donate any amount, and then hold on to your tax receipt. When it's tax time, you could save big. Your donation could offset some or most of what you owe on that huge capital gains line. Make smart money moves while making a difference. To learn more, visit thegivingblock.com NFP. That's thegivingblock.com NFP. And let's show the world that crypto is good. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. Brian Brinkman, welcome to NFP. So glad you could join me. Thanks for having me, D. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, an honor to have you on the show. I mean, you have quite the little portfolio happening over the last number of years. I mean, I was looking up, you know, some of your story in the past, you know, and just the cool story of the uh, the Brian Brinkman experiment that happened on... Uh, Fallon and yeah that, uh, let's start with that I mean, that's that's quite an interesting little story that you know not everybody necessarily knows yeah no I mean that goes that goes pretty far back um yeah <laughs> I'm forgetting the year but I think it was about 15 years ago mm-hmm. um I was in the audience of the late night with Jimmy Fallon show this was right. the second week of the show and so they had oh really um, was that new okay it was that new so i i went because uh i went to college in philly i liked the roots and i was like oh cool i can go see the roots live at this new show this is cool whoever um, this jimmy fallon guy is whatever. well of course i like jimmy you know uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, but, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but like you know i was like this seems uh, first of all i love going to tv tapings even before mm. that I've, I've 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 gone to like every the, you know, late night television taping. I could, I went to yep. weird NBC shows like the marriage ref and all these failed television shows. I love the magic of like this audience experience. Um, right. Same thing mm-hmm. with like music venues. So uh, I got tickets to that. Uh, and then they had uh, the dig nation guys, which was Kevin Rose and Alex Albrecht. I think I'm saying his okay. name right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Russell Brand. Yeah. And so they were like, we're going to do this experiment where we follow someone because Twitter was very new at the time. Um, I think right. it only like Jimmy had just joined it and like, uh, they were like, we're just going to follow someone in the audience. And so they, they had kind of picked me pr- just before the show. They kind of told me like, you want to do right. this thing? And I was like, okay, sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So then all these people followed me instantly, uh, mm-hmm. not really knowing who I was, not really caring who I was. And I just went from like zero to like 30,000 followers instantly. <laughs> which was like amazing and overwhelming. And like people found my phone number and were like texting me and it was like a little scary You're at like, first. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah Hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know what to do. I, I eventually thought of some like fun, like participation things where I was like, everyone send me a, fi- a picture of a circle. And I turned that into a short film that went into film festivals called Circle Pick. Uh, mm-hmm. I did like, I do a like, drawing and say everybody color in the drawings of this like outline and then i'll make a blog of all the all the things i was like trying to find ways to do that uh but the the weirder part of the whole story which is kind of downer side of the story was for about 10 years i just lost followers every day because everyone would be like wait why am i following this guy i just watch my follower count drop that happens to everybody i'll have it where i i get followers up and also the number goes down for no reason you know yeah i don't know i think eventually plateaued yeah i think somewhere around like ten thousand. it eventually plateaued and then i kind of rebuilt from that point on but it was kind of a weird moment where i have was like i got all these followers and then i just lost it for years and years and years until i eventually started to like build a following base of people that actually wanted to follow me which was good <laughs> sure it yeah, felt, a bit of a, re- a long time it felt very so. insincere yeah 
Right. You have a bit of a reverse reverse experience for an artist, though, because, I mean, that is kind of your primary calling, I would say, is the graphic artist work. Yeah. Yeah. Would that yeah, be fair I'd to say? say. To, to have yeah. the fame first and then you know, produce the work. <laughs> yeah. I think when that happened, I was only like maybe one year out of college. And I was right. like, oh, man, I wish I had like more of a product to sell right now. <laughs> I was, like, I was right. working in like fashion If you had something lined up, you know, you'd be like, <laughs> yeah. okay, just let her rip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some cool stuff did happen from it down the road. Um, mm-hmm. My, some, a, a television show called The Life and Times of Tim, which was an mm-hmm. HBO cartoon. The creators of that found my website because they had followed me and they're like, hey, your art style kind of matches our show's art style. Do you want to come work on our show? And like cool things like that would happen. But like, it wasn't like I was like able to monetize it in like a crazy, like influencer way. Uh, right. But some cool things did happen from it. Anyone you want us to follow today that our listeners should follow, you know? Oh, that's a good props? question um follow uh sarah zucker she's the oh, best for sure um yeah. i have i have one of her I've, early pieces still uh Basilius. really Basilius yeah. made an offer on it because there's 10 owners of the piece okay and he made i think it was an eight or nine eth offer i was asleep so i wake up and i'm like you've had an offer i'm like that's a pretty decent offer right like a pretty good amount of eth and this was when eth was like four thousand dollars or whatever so <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, Ooh, I might accept that. And, uh, someone else accepted it. So gone. <laughs> so then I'm uh, like, well, that's it though. I'm cranking up the price on that piece. That piece is. Oh, I think, it, I think I have that piece too. I saw that the other, like, yeah. it was a couple of weeks ago that he put in it's a the, the spinning globe. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I got yeah, one too. Oh, you have it too. Okay. That piece. Wow. Yeah. There we go. Okay. It, it reminds cool. me of like Very a world cool. cup trophy or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, yes. I have a few of those Very rareable editions. Zucker, you know? I don't have any mm-hmm. one of ones of Sarah's, but I have quite a few edition pieces. But I oh, love okay. her work, well, and good for you. and just following her, I've discovered so many amazing artists. Like, mm-hmm. I think you know, if you, if I, I recommend people to follow, it's like people like her or like Sean Williams, who's at iArt sometimes. Yep. Like those those kind of artists share alpha like no other. Yes in terms of just amazing art that like you wouldn't normally see because it doesn't bubble to the top right away. Yeah. You only need to follow a handful of the really great artists and then you'll see their connections. And, you know, cause Twitter can be, I have a couple accounts, you know, and uh, one of my accounts is just misery. It's all politics. <laughs> and it's just people yeah. griping at each other the whole time. And I, I don't know why I ever flipped to that account, but. Um, yeah. That this, was my account, account four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like Twitter's full of a bunch of jerks. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And then you go onto this scene with the NFTs and the artists, and uh, I do have to occasionally kind of pluck out kind of the scammers and stuff like that because you know, yeah, I'm not super super careful about who I follow. Often, if people follow me, I follow them back, you know. And then afterwards, you go, I don't know if I should be following this person, right? Yeah, so. I do think you know this might be a political take. I do think mm. there's a direct correlation between the rise of NFTs, especially on Twitter, and mm. the banning of Donald Trump from Twitter. That mm. like January, February moment where he left and people stopped complaining about politics all the time mm-hmm. was that NFTs filled that void. And everyone was like, that was when like GameStop happened. That was when all these other things happened. And I really think there's like a, a crossover moment where like, uh, people were like what the hell filled. am i gonna do now that yeah. i can't you know can't, rage yeah. about There's, these trump tweets <laughs> yeah, exactly it was it was kind of wonderful because like all of a sudden every day for four to for like six years it was just reactionary <laughs> tweets to nonsense from him and then once i right. left people were like look at all the money you can make an end of taste what i get like, a kick hey. out of is his uh truth social platform that he made and then oh, really? people on there were like trump you suck and they got banned they got canceled from it. it's like <laughs> i thought the whole point of your platform was oh, yeah, that you like don't censor anything right true, yeah yeah so oh. um yeah that was uh, yeah no i think for, for what it's worth i think now we're starting to see another moment which is mm. war and that's mm-hmm. taking up all the attention in an important way, but you're also seeing a decline now in people interested in NFTs. And so I think when politics or world wars or anything like that kind of take take precedent, which is important, sure. uh, have so NFTs much kind of go back down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so NFTs fill the void when things are in a good place. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I think part of it's a natural ebb and flow as well, because the reality is you can only keep going with like, um, do I need to say more than the word Pixelmon? You can only have <laughs> yeah. so many of those sorts of projects before people, you know, it's like, um, I don't know, I'm a little older than you, I think, you know, and when I was a kid, there was a point in time where, you know, video games were huge. And then everybody and their dog was making video games and there were terrible games. Like you were getting games that were being made in a week's time. You know, E.T. was the most famous, like horrible video. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I've seen the documentaries about that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you'd go into your local, uh, I don't know, they didn't have a Walmart back then, but that sort of store, your department store. And there'd Mm -hmm. be just uh, baskets full of shit games, like games for like $2. Then, you know, yeah. And there had to be a sort of like a purge. You know what I mean? There was a period of time where it was like, okay, a whole bunch of these businesses have to fail and a few will kind of emerge from it. Nintendo, right? Nintendo was like, the yeah. re-emergence right it of saves, video game market, saves the, you know yeah you know and no, it's least, true you know, sometime later right but i think it has to happen you have to have yeah. that kind of cleansing almost one of my jobs when i was in high school uh, i worked at a warehouse for a video game store chain and mm. what what that means is like they had like maybe a dozen stores around the midwest area Mm-hmm. But they had this central hub, and my job was to organize uh, tens of thousands of video games, alphabetize them, do eBay shipping wow. for stuff. And so I, I, I'm like, my knowledge of like every video game is absurd. <laughs> right <on. laughs> I love video games, but I'm also like hyper aware of like every single PlayStation game, the good and the bad, and every single right, Nintendo right, right. game. And you know, and so like I, I totally get that. There's so much junk, and it's interesting. Like in that kind of world, you know, the amount of Maddens or GTAs or Gran Turismo's are just absurd because everybody has sure. those games. And so yeah. in the resale market, you're just swamped with the some of them are good games and some of them are bad games, but yeah. um, and, 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 and to a weird degree, the bad games are the more rare, valuable ones. You know, sure. it's like it's like the weird Bible, unofficial Bible games for the original Nintendo system are worth way more. <laughs> than, you ever watch you know, Angry Video Zelda Game Nerd? Stuff. Have you ever watched those? those? Yeah, I know James. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, oh you he, know him from Philly? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan. Pass my, uh, uh, you know adoration onto him yeah no um, i mean i haven't talked to him in a while but I've, I've gotten to meet him a few times um and i i think he went to my college i'm pretty sure is that right um, okay but he's a few years Hilarious older than guy, me. Man. Holy. um yeah he's he's absurd with his you know prolificness <laughs> my favorite uh, is superman 64 that's my favorite of his videos it's yeah just, yeah it's a classic i mean obviously that's one of the most popular ones but yeah no he's awesome i got to be a judge of a film festival with him a few years oh, really? back but i haven't talked to him okay. in quite a while but i loved cinema when i was in college cinemassacre was kind of his thing mm. where he would make these weird short films and right. do these like film festivals Wasn't it like screw attack or something like that at that time i'm <laughs> yeah. trying to remember Is it was, it was all like? it was all very early internet stuff but yeah, i, yeah, I yeah. found it fascinating because he was he was like yeah i have uh, you know 100 short films already i'm like what the heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I can't think of a guy who's better at swearing in a comical manner. Do you know what I mean? You know how like yeah. Monty Python, they took like insulting, you know, to a comical level, you know, where, you know, just the adjectives they use and so forth. But, but James is just so good at, I don't know, using the F word so <laughs> expressively. Do you know what I mean? Like he could yeah. just be so effective with it. I he really he built that. a whole brand out of mm-hmm. himself in a way that like, I think was extremely ahead of the curve and mm-hmm. what we see nowadays with like tiktok influencers or youtube uh playthrough people like he he was doing it before youtube existed it's really incredible exactly. yeah absolutely oh hey let's talk another hot topic yeah sure <laughs> ty lopez <laughs> I'm, i'll be honest i learned who he was yesterday um, i noticed i saw that <laughs> Uh, I, I wasn't, I was not kidding. I thought he was the Tinder swindler. Cause people were like, that guy's releasing oh. NFTs. And I was like, oh, that must be the Tinder guy's real name. It's not, they're two different people that are both weirdos. Um, 
and then I went and watched the, probably the, the famous video where he's like, here's my Lambo and here's my bookshelf, right. yeah. which is very mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> the fact that he's like, I bought a thousand books. Like, who has a thousand books? Right, right. Um, he, he reads a book a day. <laughs> reads a book a day. It's pretty much, he must have, <laughs> there, do you remember, again, we're, we're dating ourselves. There used to be a commercial that would air, they'd be like, learn how to read really fast. And it'd be a person like rubbing their hand on a book really fast. <laughs> and like, that must be how he does it. Um, must be. I mean, he's like it's something about a guy who like gets in a conflict and then you know yeah. in the end it's really bad but then it gets resolved yeah what he's selling uh isn't crazy it's you it's hangout utility which is what gary mm-hmm. v and des bryant and all that do, which i think is a cool thing for celebrities to do uh yeah. what's weird is it sounded like it was like a reverse dutch auction where it got more expensive over time kept, which is the price keeps going up until <laughs> 67 ETH or something like that like something insane and it's like yeah. to go out for dinner to, to a nice michelin star restaurant with him yeah 67 no. ETH. that's absurd <laughs> it's it's oh, it's it's pure ego in a funny way but uh yeah it on was the flip side to... though you know i think you know what if someone wants to go blow, blow their eth to hang out with ty lopez like go for it like i don't know i there's a lot of people who hate on him for it but i mean what's wrong with him saying hey if you want to do these things and you're willing to pay you know come fly with me on a private jet for you know yeah. 50 ETH. i mean you could yeah. probably fly on a private jet for a couple of ETH. you know if you knew the right people yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah. we've been in the space long enough to remember what like two years ago, Pranksy was selling mm-hmm. Pranksy time where he yes. you would you'd buy the NFT to get a 10 minute call with him. And then people were like holding those like in secondary and he had to buy them all back because he's like, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> people to, like have access to me all the time. Just um, inundated but, with fans. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, here's 30 minutes of DMs. It's like, how do you even clock that effectively? Uh, there were funny ideas at the time. And I think he was kind of groundbreaking to a degree with that. And I'm sure when sure. Gary joined the space, I know he talked to uh, like the Pranksies and Beanies and probably learned from the good and the bad. And I know when Mark Cuban did it too, where he was like, yeah. you can buy you can buy this rareable thing and I'll make a video for you. And then Pranksy bought like all of them. Right. <laughs> it's just like you can't as much as you try to control the space people will break the rules every step of the way for sure well that's kind of the fun of it right like i mean i suppose you could just go the route of like say like a cameo or whatever where you yeah you know you get the little clip from the celebrity or whatever that's not the same yeah oh well, i know cameo just released nfts but i could not wrap my mind around Is that right what the oh, deal was it's like a cameo pass uh that gets uh, you into okay. parties I guess. Oh, really? It's kind of a board ape type uh, concept. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's there's going to be a lot of these party passes, and I'm I'm all for mm-hmm. it because uh, you know it's like the friends with benefits was such a success. I guess that like everybody's mm-hmm. like uh, party degenerates, and all these other things are like we're just going to throw parties at all the events, and if you have the NFT, that's your entry. And I think that's a cool idea. I, I, I think do that with one of my zombie waves. Some kind of access yeah. pass. I don't know. Yeah, I've released would, two waves. I'm uh, working on a third wave, but yeah. I don't think I'm ready to have any kind of access for the third. I don't know. That's got to be further away. There's ten waves in total. But, it's. it's uh, yeah, I mean, I if I had a, a whole team around me, I would love to throw like that kind of stuff. But like, uh, I'm I'm my own management team at the moment, um, and so like, someone was like, oh, one yeah, in can... ten thousand chance of meeting Brian Brickman. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, that like, way it's not too much like, commitment on your part. Yeah. Well, it's like someone was like oh you can buy this you rent this gallery at nftla this is like last week and i'm like i can't hmm. put together a whole party and gallery show by myself in like two weeks <laughs> like get the screens in TVs. there's so Big much deal. there's so much logistics um i love the idea um but i would much rather just like go in with like 10 artists on something and have like a little yeah, yeah, party yeah. you know i don't want to i'm not like what Fawocious did at NFT and NYC in Miami with his paint together was so brilliant, but like one artist can't pull that off. He has a team of people that mm-hmm. help, yeah, um, yeah. but it was incredible. And like that, that experience touched everyone that was a part well, of tell it. Tell me about it. It's, I wasn't there. Uh, well, he basically threw up a bunch of canvases, mm-hmm. gave everybody suits, um, paint suits, and was just like, go to town. Everyone just paint together on these canvases, make something. Um, and then we'll sell them eventually. And everyone that touched it gets a percentage, I guess. I don't know. Okay. That part, that part sounds like a logistical nightmare. Um, okay. But 
SEC's like, uh, excuse me, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just the idea of everyone going in there and having full freedom to just create and paint over each other's work and not worry about it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was, that was one of the highlights of NFT NYC in my mind. And I know he did it again in Miami and he's probably going to do it at complex con or whatever else. Um, It's a, it's a wonderful idea. Um, And I think uh, it brought out this like kind of childlike artist feeling to everyone whether it was artists right. or collectors sure uh it was just cool um, and, yeah it was the opposite of what all these events felt like which were like corporate pumping shilling type things this one yeah, yeah i would yeah. also say like the all ships people are really good at I've throwing been to a few of those stuff. crypto bro parties it's not the same thing <laughs> yeah it's like don't get me wrong it's like i love going to like uh, a party for flow and they have like yeah, projections yeah, sure. of art everywhere and sure. like open bar, but it's, it's and music it's corporate, so loud. You just kind of look at yeah, each other. It's a corporate mixer. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily like a, a lot of the parties are thrown with the collectors and investors in mind and not the artists in that sense. Right. Of course. Uh, yeah. That which is fine because they're the ones mm-hmm. with money the artists are not yep. money. <laughs> I was at one of these but, parties like that in Miami in December and, uh, the, the drinks were like kind of included, right? So basically it was like free drinks. Well, not free drinks, but they were included kind of idea with yeah. the pass. And uh, I remember the bartenders, there was just a lineup of people. And eventually they were just doing like double, triple shots because they're like, okay, hey, just go away. We're like, we're, we're getting tired of serving all these drinks. And so yeah. I come back for a drink and it was like five times more powerful than the first drink I had. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? It's like mosquito repellent. They're trying to get people away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, just here, just take a shitload of alcohol and leave us alone. <laughs> Miami was a trip. Uh, the Art Basel yeah. was a trip. Were you, in, were you down there yeah. for that? Yeah, I was. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was weird was and wild in a lot of funny ways. Like you going to parties in like mansion backyards with like DJ Khaled performing. And it's like, what yeah, is, is so what weird. is this world now? <laughs> um it was real eye-opening of like, oh, this is exactly what I imagined Miami was <laughs> in exactly. a funny way. <laughs> I got my moment of feeling like, you know, I was kind of like with uh, famous people where I happened to run into Ali Sabat, who's a wonderful person. And he was also there at this rooftop party. Logic was like painting there, like uh-huh. spontaneously. And uh, <laughs> then I ran into Emily Lazar there as well, who's the lead mm-hmm. singer of September Morning. And uh, they've both been on my podcast, so we all recognize each other. That's and awesome. uh, you know, so we're like, "Hey, right!" <laughs> so, so after this party, they're kicking us out of this party, you know, because it was over and the, the security or whatever. Hey, everybody got to leave, right? So we go. Well, Sabbath was like, ah, "I'm still hungry. Let's go bite, have something to eat." So then we took off to this other party, and it was funny because normally when you're entering these uh, VIP parties. I would have to show like my credentials. I would have to be like, hey, this is me. I'm decline. I'm an artist, blah, blah, blah. And they check on your phone or whatever. And then you let, let you in. But when you walk along with like Ali Sabat and Emily Lazar, they just get out of the way and you just go strolling right in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was just a different experience for me. Yeah, I haven't reached that level of VIP status yet. N- I still have to, like, I. I still I still have to beg to, be to get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as much as so, people think I'm an influencer, I don't get invited to the cool parties yet. This is me no, man, uh, yelling at people listening. Please, please invite me to your parties. I like to go to parties. Um, I can only but, handle uh, them for so much, honestly. Like, I get tired uh, of yelling point, in yeah. people's ears. There was a point in Miami on one of the last nights where it was a really fun party, but I was just so burnt out. At a certain mm. point, I was just like, I got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. I just got an Uber, went to my hotel and I was like, Oh, I'm just glad to lay in bed now. Like uh, maybe I'm getting too old, but at a certain point I was like, okay, I'm like totally burnt out. I'm like party hopping. Um, Well, but you're also kind of on, right? Because, you know, for me anyway, I was there as an artist, right. And mm -hmm. then you're meeting people who are interested in your art. Right. Yeah. You know? And so then you're, you know, you, you're not just necessarily, fully relaxed like you would be when you're just chilling out at home that's true yeah no i mean i i love meeting people but yeah you're right mm-hmm. a lot of these parties are so loud that you're screaming mm-hmm. i lost my voice at nft nyc <laughs> by like day one and it was just like i was like hey how's it going nice to meet you 
it was terrible um and like my, the plus of miami was a lot of it was kind of outdoors so you didn't have yes. to scream um true but i'm planning on going to nft la and this it's called nft in like nft in america which yeah is i saw that. you're gonna be a prior at that, hey? yeah so that's gonna be fun mm-hmm. so i think I'm, I'm going primarily for that because it's gonna mm-hmm. be an event uh kind of curated by like colborne and vertical crypto and han right um and then i'm just gonna like hang out in la i think for a week and i have i, I've, I haven't heard anything about nftla but i'm just gonna wing it well which is kind of what yeah, i do yeah. with all these events i just kind of show up and wing it <laughs> and I'm going, what's going on what's everybody doing tonight? so you're doing like a ted talk type thing <laughs> yeah yeah i have to make a presentation so, i'm gonna wear one of those little microphones that like wrap yeah. around your face like a boy band i'm, I'm kind of excited i've never cool, uh you know visual <laughs> props or you know, yeah i gotta make a i gotta make a some analogies ready to go yeah uh that's uh, recently i've been asked to like you know i don't know what the word is for it but come into places and talk about nfts which mm-hmm. isn't too exciting but people are like we want to learn about nfts can you come like talk to our advertising place i'm like hey, maybe um but now i got to start thinking about like well one it's one thing to make a presentation about yourself i feel confident yeah. about that making a presentation about nfts in general is su- such an ever-changing uh thing that i don't feel as confident about that it's like i can tell you about like what i think are the top platforms and all this stuff uh but like it's a little bit different in that sense but it's fun to like i've, I've spoke to like some colleges and stuff like that and it's fun to like have those conversations. I'm not big on like making presentations. I'm not a great public speaker, but I love having conversations like what we're doing now. Like I can mm-hmm. talk about NFTs forever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the same regard, I'm not, I, I don't feel comfortable on like Twitter spaces or like Clubhouse. I've, I feel it's a, a different. Yeah, it's a weird feeling on those platforms sometimes because you feel like you're talking into a void. I mean, there's a bunch of people there listening, but there's no feedback, right? Yeah. And also I, I have an inner fear of like interrupting people. And mm. so I'm constantly just like afraid to jump in to a conversation in those, in those type of like group settings uh, sure. to where I, I I'm often like, by the time I feel like there's a window, the conversation has changed and it it's just, it gives topic. me all this anxieties. <laughs> and I'm like, I do not like, like this. So <laughs> five minutes ago, you mentioned this thing about Miami. So I was going <laughs> to yeah. say, <laughs> yeah the, yeah they're they're so free flowing and they tend to always favor people that are much more outgoing than i am and so i'm, I'm always just like i i like to listen mm-hmm. um what i think i need is like a burner account for listening to them because sometimes you go and you listen yeah, just make an and then they go hey brian's here come up on stage and talk and then i'm like listening ah. on my pc and then i'm like oh fumbling with my phone or you're like, like driving re-log in and like talk on my phone and why do they not a, make that compatible with pc right I've, I've, I've oh, we've all got better we've all got better <laughs> microphones better yeah. headsets it would sound a million times better it's crazy to me someone told it. me they're like they use like an android um emulator oh, so that okay. they can do it through their pc setup and i'm like that is just so much work like what? why like why doesn't twitter, twitter doing this do this <laughs> Uh, it's crazy, but yeah, all we people. all have way better mic setups. Someone was like, yeah, I plug in my crazy mic setup into my iPad via this like some patch box. And I'm like, gosh, this is just not right. Like, <laughs> It's yeah, like so easy for them to fix it. Going to their yeah. IPad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Discord has it yeah. figured out, but people just don't, I don't know. It's a different crowd on Discord, I guess. It's Discord's much more a navigational niche. nightmare. Discord gives me anxiety too. I, I, I my, my new, I don't know when this will air, but my new Nifty Gateway drop, one of the pieces is built uh, based on the amount of Discord notifications I get and how it's just completely <laughs> overwhelming. Um, That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I've never expressed myself artistically with my frustrations regarding this. I really should consider that. Yeah, my new, my new, my new uh, collection is all about like the the ups and downs of creativity in this space and how you just mm. constant, it's constant i mean you feel it there's just mm-hmm. we're constantly distracted i have adhd sure. you know yeah. the, all of a sudden I think if you like, didn't okay. before you entered this space you do now <laughs> yeah yeah and as twitter has my twitter uh, following has grown it's only gotten worse sure. i love it i love the distractions i find being an artist in this space is a third making art a third you know, promoting your art and a third, just connecting with people 
on mm-hmm. social media. So yep. I, I see it all as part of the job, but yep. sometimes I feel like the social media side overwhelms the artistic side to where I can't be creative as well. Um, right, right, right. Hey, in cooperation with the Koi Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emergent, evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Koi Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io. Parrot made a great tweet the other week about the the fears of making art these days and all the eyes on us now that weren't necessarily there when we started. And I, I, I connected with it on such a deep level. I was like, oh man, this is so true. Like I didn't used to have that fear. I used to feel like fully experimentally creative in the space. And it's mm-hmm. only gotten more, you know, the, the stakes have gotten so high. Is it tied to your success, high. you think? Is it because, you know, you're at this level now where there's success and so there's more at stake? Like when when you're just kind of fiddling around and it's like, oh, hey, people liked it. You know, there's not a lot of risk there. Yeah, I think part of it's that. I think part of it is a lot of what I'm creating for is for others in a weird way. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm still creating my art, but I'm creating it under deadlines for other things. Like I have to make mm-hmm. a Nifty Gateway drop for this date. I have to do a collaboration with this brand for this date. And you're, you're, even though we're fully artists, we're still theoretically in this freelance mode of hitting deadlines. And I think those yeah, yeah. type of things like overwhelm you at a certain point where you're like, oh, yes. there's so many emails I haven't responded to. There's so many DMs I haven't responded to. And that kind of, it all kind of boils into your brain to a degree and tears down your ability to be fully like, enjoying the freedom of creativity if that makes sense my problem yeah no it does my problem is i'm like a yes guy like you know there'll be an artist who i really like you know and we talk Mm -hmm. connect and they're like we should collaborate and i'm like yes right Mm -hmm. and i probably have four or five of those going on right now (laughs) you know and i'm like oh shoot i haven't done that yet oh oh i haven't done that now there aren't deadlines per se but there is kind of this guilt tied to not working on those things. Yes, you know? 100%. Because because it's yeah. like, I feel like, am I am I letting them down? Because they're sitting there waiting for me to do my part of this. I, I feel that 100%. There's, there's been a lot of collaborations I've wanted to do that have just kind of, you know, evaporated because of right. not, not just myself, but the other people involved just becoming too busy. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it'll... I, I'm I'm sure the space, like you said, it ebbs and flows. And when when the space is on the the downturn, that's when all the collaborations happen. I find like last mm. summer when the space wasn't really having much traction um, because the markets were kind of down and Ethereum was kind of running wild. Uh, I did like ten collaborations, uh, and right. I loved every bit of it because there wasn't that kind of stress. It was like, we can put these out, we can sell them as like additions. They don't have to be expensive. And they can just be fun ways of like elevating smaller artists. Um, Mm -hmm. I loved that aspect. And then that was kind of like, I saw last summer as like my collab summer. I did so many of them. Uh, And then, and then this winter, it's been more of just kind of like, okay, now I got to like think about more of my own like collections or like merchandise or wearables and it's it's been fun to like kind of break break around and do all these different things that's part of the reason i love the space is there's just like infinite canvases to paint on in that sense yeah yeah. uh yeah i mean when i look at your work i mean you're on nifty you're on super rare you're on art blocks you're on async you know um all fantastic platforms like where are you primarily um producing your work now is it mostly nifty now um well it's i find it's, it's all different audiences in that yeah sense um so like i i look at nifty gateway as a platform that i can put out kind of additioned pieces at a, mm-hmm. a more affordable rate than like a super rare which i i used to do super rare more frequently but i've also really enjoyed kind of using super rare as a platform of telling more of my like 
diary experiences in the space where I'm like, okay. here's my piece that talks about how I understand how gas works. Here's my piece about how I understand how flipping works. Uh, my last one was like a hand running on a phone talking about how we're just constantly scrolling Twitter nowadays. Um, and so I've seen my super rare as kind of my, my journal of my mm. understanding of the space. Uh, and so those are going to become more infrequent because they kind of are more tied to me personally. Okay. Um, my nifty gateway stuff, my, my new drop is much more tied to myself personally, but a lot of the pieces in the past have kind of just been like, uh, visual experimentations in a fun way okay. of like, here's, here's this neon style. What can I do with that? Here's this cloud thing. Where, where can I expand that? And with nifty, I try to reinvent my style every drop, which probably drives okay. collectors nutty, but, uh, that's part of my thesis in the space is to not get stuck in a style and being constantly I'm with evolving. You 100%. I can't so, stand being in a single style for too long. Yeah. So that, yeah. that my way around that when I joined the space was uh, as long as I keep the same color swatches throughout all my work, mm -hmm. that allows okay. me to do any of these platforms. But as long as those yeah, colors yeah. are there, it all fits into my overall collection. So that was kind it's of very my interesting because I actually I do the same sort of thing, but I never really was conscious of that now that you say it. Like yeah. I'll have different styles, but you're right. I use very recognizable color palette. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Huh. So that's that's how we got around it. Because that was always something yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. like about the traditional world was they go, well, if you're going to be in this gallery show, you have to do the style that you're known for because that's what right. they're expecting. And I always yeah. hated that, um, which don't get me wrong. Artists that have a very distinct style do much better. So if artists are listening, mm -hmm. you want to become very rich, uh, really find a style and do it over and over. <laughs> but yeah. uh, for me personally, I found I, I would rather uh, play my own game in that sense. Um, and so, but eventually over time, you're going to keep returning and those all styles are all going to, all these experiments are all going to blend into the same thing. And that's yeah, what I'm, starting, that's what I'm starting to see. There's still elements that you recognize to all those yes. diverse and, you know, different pieces, right? Yeah. Because if you look at like my Nifty Gateway drop, my first one, which was like October, 2020, um, yep. I did these clouds with strings, which were yep. a, a evolution of a super rare piece I did where I was kind of like hanging from strings with a VR headset. And then that ended up evolving into what my art blocks piece was, which was all these clouds with strings that then had faces. Um, and so you can kind of see like the evolution of like each of these things kind of building into each other. And so it's kind of fun to like reinvent with a drop go, okay, here's a new style I'm playing with. Where can I take this for the next six months? And then when mm -hmm. I get bored of doing that, then I can go to another thing. And so it's it's all part of my, again, my ADHD of like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure you have the same problem. If you work on something for too long, you get bored of it and you're like, I, I don't like this anymore. Quickly. And so it's more of like, what can I do that's still exciting for me mm -hmm. and get that out there? versus mm -hmm. like overworking something too long like that async project i did um that was probably the longest project i've done in this space i worked mm -hmm. on it for you're talking about four, like five yeah yeah five or six months like and by the wow. time we were done okay. i was like i don't even know if this is good anymore um because it's a, you can't tell at that point anymore yeah you have to so like have to other so long, people right? look at it yeah yeah um and so it's 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 definitely that's just a struggle for myself as an artist but i'm sure a lot of artists feel that way too mm -hmm. um, well it's like you know I, when you're painting something really up close and then you forget to step back and check it and then you know yes. two hours later you step back you're like oh no it totally looks wrong you know? yeah that's so, why i, I really enjoyed it. working at uh the tonight show and snl and stuff like that because mm. every single show you you're given a new set of requests uh, you know, the news changes every day and every morning you go in not knowing what you're going to make. And then you have a day to make whatever you can, the best you can. And I really enjoyed that kind of like constant challenge uh, mm -hmm. because I never got bored when I worked on animated television shows and I did lip sync, for instance, you do lip sync for six months. You want to blow your brains out because you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over. Um, of course. And so, yeah, it's I've been fortunate to find ways of being creative in a sense where I'm not stuck doing repetition. Right. Right. Interesting. Talking about that, you know, along with that, of course, there would be a sense of intensity and urgency that, you know, 
that can be a good or a bad thing, right? Like obviously in your experience, it's been a good thing. You may, you may picture it as exciting, whereas another person <laughs> yeah. might, might well, picture it as anxiety inducing. Yeah. Well, I've probably lost more hair than I needed to because of it, but <laughs> I do enjoy, uh, you can't see it on zoom right now, but you know, the, the, the back of my hair looks <laughs> a lot less, uh, uh, but, um, yeah, I think I, I've always thrived on that urgency and, and sometimes I probably mentally put myself in a spot where I have to make it. I have to like, I I've, I've run out of time and I have to make a choice because I'm yeah, okay. always terrible at making choices in that sense. Um, like with, for instance, my, my current nifty drop, I've, I've had months to work on it and I just made tons of experiments and okay. not knowing exactly how they come together. And it's like, you have to, throw a whole lot of things out there and you go, okay, here's this thing, this thing, this thing. Maybe those will form into what I'm coming together for this collection because a collection mm -hmm. versus a super rare where you can make one off piece doesn't have to live within a thing. With Nifty, you have to kind of think of a gallery show. How do I put all sure. these pieces into a story that tells a bigger picture? And so what I'm going to have now is five to six pieces that all tell a bigger story. And then I'm going to have a bunch of experiments that never fully formed that I can then roll into super rare piece or a collaborative piece and you know you, you walk away with these scrape scraps of paper that can end up being bigger things elsewhere which is kind of fun but you have to kind of go through that uh journey of trial and error to get to that finish line if that makes sense yeah yeah so there's a question i wanted to ask you about two minutes ago but i didn't want to interrupt you what's up <laughs> <laughs> just earlier we were talking about how you know when you have a thought but you can't say it because you know, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking about you know snl and fallon and stuff and i wondered what was your favorite visual effect that you know you managed to you know was most in your mind successful that you pulled together in record time oh that's a good question um in record time well, being that, you know, you only have so much time to get this thing ready, right? Yeah, so well, like, with yes, SNL. Yes, I pulled it off. I yeah. did it. SNL, a lot of the visual effects are like, some of the, the coolest ones are easy. And some of the, mm. the the ones that look easy are the most challenging because you have to work within the one shots. One that sticks out of my minute. mind is the guy standing up on the desk and the ceiling fan chops his head off. <laughs> yeah, that one's great. I did not work <laughs> on that, unfortunately, but okay, I love okay. that. Uh, I remember <laughs> I went and I saw I saw that was like a, a dead poet society parody yes i remember i went into the it was the season finale so i was in the building for the finale party but i didn't work on that episode but i went and i saw it during rehearsal and i mm. cried laughing it caught me so off guard it was so funny um that's still one of my funny like favorite sketches and i think it's like a pinnacle yes. of like shock humor on the show yeah. like yeah. uh not, not a lot of things have quite hit that mark even though there was a few we were i worked on one that was i think it was chance the rapper called like space accidents and it was like all okay. these astronauts screwing up and like getting sucked out of like things and Dying blood going everywhere ways. and like yep. it was like they were like smashing watermelons to like make uh the blood bursts okay. and stuff it was yeah, wild yeah. but um it was uh yeah i'm trying to think there there's oh, that's a good question i'd have to go back and rewatch the <laughs> the sizzle reels of like our our visual effects um well maybe I pick really, one that I was really like super enjoyed... frustrating one that you know you know didn't work out the way you were hoping oh there was one time where there was a request i couldn't figure out that was like we want to have this woman's but turned to ice and I just could not figure out the look for what a frozen butt looked like. And the director was like, it's just not it's right. It's supposed to be crystallized. And I was like, oh man. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some weird things like that. It's like very well, stupid things to get pressure, stressed right? over. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole time you're watching the clock. Um, I really enjoyed, well, the NFT sketch was really fun to work on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I got to make fake NFTs. <laughs> it's <was> very funny, <laughs> like yeah. kind of like mocking, uh, lovingly mocking, uh, you know, twerky Pepe and Beeple and Syriac uh, and uh, a lot of money, uh, RIP to a lot of money. I love that man. Yeah. Um, yes. But 
it's it was fun to like look at like what especially at the time before the space really like that was probably before like board apes and stuff like before the space really hit pfp world it was still yeah. kind of in the art world and so it was like who are the right. big artists yeah. to kind of parody um i think if we had done it nowadays it would look entirely different um in terms of like yeah, most people's understanding people of an nft now is like a profile pic yeah like. uh but and it was also fun to put some of my own art like scattered throughout um that sketch um but yeah i think in terms of like things i'm i really enjoyed working on at fallon um i got i did a lot of openings for bits that were fun but some of the kind of long form things were really fun i got to do this like schoolhouse rock parody mm -hmm. about voting avenue and i got to like storyboard and character design and then i got to work with an animated studio and that was like a three-month endeavor wow. but that was really fun okay. because i got to basically direct a short schoolhouse rock cartoon you know and so mm -hmm. like every once in a while you got to do some fun things they used to do this thing called classroom instruments i'm sure they still do it but it'd be like the jonas brothers or camilla cabello and they'd be like all right how do we make this more fun let's add some animation to it and so those would be like fun things where it was like you had kind of full creative freedom to have fun uh elevating the pieces um you ever you ever get into a place where you're like this is beyond my scope. Like this is what what they're wanting is beyond what I'm capable of producing. Have that ever happened? Because I mean, you must get some. Well, that happened events. all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. They would sometimes the, the some of the requests would just be, you know, in theory you'd go, okay, that's a great idea, and then in reality you go, okay, I can't actually do that. Like doing a deep fake, like those are really cool and look really nice but they're not easy to do on a short time frame they, they require totally. a lot of machine learning and stuff like that and so you're like I, we can't like turn around a machine learning deep fake in an hour <laughs> like, no unless kidding. it's like pre-programmed or something um but like you know there, there, there's a lot of times you hit technical limitations in that sense um a lot of times it's like oh can we recreate this crazy 3d effect from this popular thing and it's just like i can't do that <laughs> like, no sometimes you but luckily uh where i had limitations well, all these shows are massive groups of people well with fallon it's like four or five people uh with snl it's like 10 or 12 now um and so everyone's kind of specialized now and even even where you're like oh how do we make all these like 3d spaceships flying through space at SNL, there's like blender artists and cinema 4D artists and modelers, and you can you can figure this out as a team in a much better way than when I first started SNL. It was like three or four of us, and so at a certain point, it's like, like we can't do guys. this in an hour. <laughs> yeah. So the 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 shows have figured out ways to continue to up their quality and game, which are pretty great. I think there's actually a new SNL tonight, which is going to be pretty good. Uh, oh, right on. Okay. They'd reached out, and I was like, eh, I can't. <laughs> doing this podcast oh, okay. no okay um but it'll be a fun one yeah yeah that's awesome i'm trying to picture because i've been to like i went to stephen colbert when i was in new york but um i'm trying to picture what's that like for the studio audience i mean surely they're just looking at the live performance with like a screen next to it or how is that happening there um yeah so with fallon and snl there's uh tvs above the audience and so whenever right. like things air like that they just have to look up Sure. And usually SNL times it out. So it's like while they're changing sets, you know, so you can either watch oh, the okay. sketch or you can watch people running around, moving around the sets, which is, I see, I, I find just as fascinating. Sure. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you about clouds and strings and shadows, because yeah. what is it about that, that it seems to just permeate through so much of your work that, that theme? Um, I've always really enjoyed kind of these colorful lines and strings and um when i started doing it with the nfts it it tied in like the early stuff with super rare tied into this idea of connection um mm. especially because when i joined nfts it was shortly after kind of well i joined shortly before but i really kind of ramped up during quarantine uh, yeah. And I was stuck at home. I felt this disconnect from everything. And so I really kind of fixated on this idea of wires and connections as a way of like showing 
how we're all interconnected through this metaverse. Mm -hmm. um, and so that early piece wired um, kind of had me dangling with a VR mm -hmm. headset because I was kind of stuck worrying about being isolated. And so that piece was really like, oh, I'm, you know, we're, we're like chained into this metaverse because we can't go anywhere right now. That was kind of my isolation piece. Then when I got onto Nifty Gateway, uh, Ikaita, who put me on this, uh, what was it? it was like a curated drop that he got yeah. to curate three artists. Um, he really connected with that piece. And so I said, okay, well, this was nine months later, seven months later, I was feeling much more okay about quarantine. I was feeling better about uh, my, my place in the NFT space. And so I did a sequel piece that was like, okay, well, if that was me then, what is me now? And the idea was I'm gonna be on this swing now made out of strings and clouds. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of how I got into the clouds. The clouds also tied into a previous piece on super rare that had a little slide with a little star going down. And so I kind of took those two pieces and combined them. And I was like, okay, that piece of me on the cloud relaxing in the VR glasses as a, as a, as a, a sequel mm -hmm. uh, kind of built into that then series where so I was like, okay, well, I have that piece. Now I'll make these other pieces about clouds. And it was all this kind of, it all ties into the idea of us being connected and then clouds being this form of generative art, which I was always fascinated by, like nature's generative art. I think I called it back oh, then. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying, uh, yeah. And so that idea of randomness and right. also, you know, the other themes of cloud uh, storage and stuff, the IPFS and all this other stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and so I kind of, I, I fixated on those ideas of that and that all then, again, tied into what the NIMBUDs were and stuff like that. Um, and so that kind of all fell on that that lineage of mm -hmm. wi wires and clouds and stuff like that. That's cool, yeah. Well, and again, you also have that uh, element of the notion of how the human interprets that visual, right? Like when we look at a cloud. Yes, yeah. And I, I, even though I've only done a few actual generative artworks, a lot of my artworks involve kind of randomized particle systems. I really love mm. allowing randomness to be a part of my work because it, one, I, I love that aspect of not knowing what I'm gonna get and also trying to control randomness is really fun. I think mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing a lot of like 10K PFP drops right now where there's too much control we're mm -hmm. like, they know what all 10,000 are going to look like before it drops. Uh, it, people don't know what they're going to get, but the people behind it know exactly what they're giving. Um, right. I, I really end of chance in that regard. I loved that with Nimbuds. I had no idea what the mm -hmm. outputs were going to be. Mm -hmm. I could control it to a degree and I could say, hopefully 5% have this, but you never know. You never know how many are going to overlap. You never know. Because uh, it was all generated purely randomized, and so that kind of stuff, I really get a kick out of. That's cool. There's a phase on Super Rare that you go through where you have, I want to say maybe they're rotoscoped kind of figure animations, that kind of mm -hmm. style of motion. Uh, what it kind of inspired you to move toward that? Well, I've always loved rotoscope. Um, mm -hmm. Going back to like Ralph Bakshi and stuff like that, I think there's something really what's the word the fluidity of it plays with your brain in a funky way that yeah. like you could and this idea of randomized shapes but the flow of the motion allows you to have this kind of realistic form which i yeah. then played with again with my uh nifty gateway flicker fusion pieces mm -hmm. um those super rare pieces were kind of like the early experiments that led to that drop okay. um but i love that idea of dancing um, and then also just kind of this flickering of lights, uh, it all ties into my love of you know, background and animation and, you know, persistence of vision. Uh, I love this kind of idea of like randomness, but it, your brain interprets it in a, in a fun mm -hmm. form. Um, 
so yeah, I, I loved playing with those. I mean, those at the time were just kind of fun one-offs. I didn't really anticipate them kind of becoming what they became, but it all just kind of fell into that same thing of like, okay, well, I did a 3D piece. What's my next piece? I'll just do a 2D piece, you know? And I, I kept trying to like change my style. So I kept uh, expanding my medium my my palette of tools in that sense uh but even my college thesis film from 2007 uh used rotoscope i've always been a fan of that and i i don't mm -hmm. think some people might think it's like a cheat but i don't think it is if you if you use it as a tool i think a lot yeah, of yeah. people in the cool. space can probably mm -hmm. look at uh tools in the space and think they're cheating but really they're all mm. just they're all just brushes whether it's gan or um generative art it's all just it's all just uh brushes you can paint with as long as you add your own flavor to it in my mind. Mm -hmm. well you mentioned a lot of money may you rest in peace you know this is a person who used already existing visual elements mm -hmm. but transformed them in a way that made something amusing and interesting right it wasn't you know it's it's yeah it's a form of expression right yeah no i mean what I mean, he look did at uh terry yeah. gilliam you know monty python yeah. you know you cut mm -hmm. out the little pieces of paper and you move the little paper around is that cheating yeah no i think what a lot of did he built on what terry did and he 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 right. improved it uh terry had funny jokes but mm -hmm. a lot of had both the jokes and a deeper storytelling of whatever he wanted to talk about, whether it was crypto right. or whatever, um, his ability to animate and have funny timing, his joke, the jokes that a lot of did hit so well, every loop, it mm. was just, it was incredible. Uh, I, I, when I joined the space, I, I thought he was just, one of one of the best and then getting to know him he was one of the nicest guys whenever there was like a collaborative project and i would say who what other artists are on art guitars and they'd say a lot of my okay i mean you know if a lot is doing yeah, it yeah, it's good yeah, yeah, you know yeah, right. <laughs> he was he, he he was a man of fine taste um yeah but yeah just i, I spent a lot of yesterday going back and watching his pieces and they're just so mm. funny and like the details are great and at the time, I mean, I was always jealous of his output because he's able, he was able to make so much quality work all the time. Yeah. It, it blew my mind, whether it was his animations or his metaverse builds, they were incredible. Like that's something I actually one haven't of a kind. seen. I haven't really delved into that much with his metaverse builds. So you should I check him out. Was, he has like he has like three or four going on in crypto voxels. Maybe at the Basilius hotel. Basilius, yeah, right? yeah, I that so. hotel. He has, yeah. I would say, three or four crypto voxel builds that are just incredible. When I joined the space, I saw his hotel. He did, mm -hmm. I think, that one, um, and that changed the way I thought about building in crypto voxels to the point where I did that Pringsyland build that was a candy shop which right. was totally inspired by the fact that instead of building just a box with a gallery, you could build a structure that lives within the world of the metaverse and becomes a part of the history of that world, which yeah. totally was inspired by seeing what Alada was doing with crypto voxels. Right. Like right. I was like, oh, he's actually building a whole brand within the world of this whole tower that exists and he's gonna rent out rooms in this tower. It's brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah. It was just, yeah, I, I learned so much from him and from a lot of the OGs in the space. When I joined, I learned a lot. I was thinking about, you know, Josie Cyber Brokers is like on fire right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought about Josie's the first artist who had a Discord I joined when I joined the space. Oh, is like, that right? There was Token Smart and there was the other one, but I didn't, you know, she was the only one I, I saw had a a community built within discord that kind of pulled people out and then she also had a newsletter she only sold her art to people that were in these newsletters and discords she was thinking about community before everybody else was in my yes, mind yes that is true yeah for sure um and i learned a lot from her i learned a lot from sarah zucker learned a lot from matt kane learned a lot from coldy just just watching them work and how they utilize the tech and also how they 
talked about the art they were making in a more serious tone. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all hugely in- influential. That's awesome. So, hey, why don't we wrap things up with um, where do you see things going here in the next little while? Maybe maybe for yourself or maybe on a broader scale, whatever you want to share. Yeah, um, I think I've, I've said it a few times, but I'm, I'm, I'm extremely bullish on uh, AR and VR. Yeah. I, I think we're, I've been saying it for like a year now, but we're really seeing it right now with this artifact um, cyber room that they gave out to everybody the pod that that started to open people's eyes up to 3d sculptures mm-hmm. and you know glb files um i'm i'm very i really think that is going to be a, a, a huge new wave of 3d sculpture arts that once these apple glasses come out uh right. we're going to augment our environments everyone's going to be walking around to these 3d sculpture gardens that are just going to be like pop-ups at events um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's going to be a huge wave. I think fashion, I think wearables, uh, everyone's focused on their profile picture face right now. No right, one's really right. paying attention to what you're going to wear day to day in these metaverses. I think brand, like the brands are coming in and kind of thinking about it, but I see a lot of the brands are still just trying to sell their physical wearables and they're not like right. really building thinking forward to like what you're going to wear in these metaverses a lot of still thinking of like it's like a a storefront exactly and and they're still limiting themselves to trying to replicate the real world in the metaverse it's like why does a shirt have to look like a shirt right it's like we have so much ability we're like oh it sounds almost (laughs) like a piano right and then eventually it was like why does it need to sound like a piano like make it sound cool why do wearables have to be made for a human body if we're in a metaverse? You know, it's like <laughs> right, people aren't true. thinking big enough yet. Um, we can all have, <laughs> you know, rocks for bodies. Who cares? Um, and so I think, you know, that's that's where I see things starting to change is we haven't fully expanded our mind that way. I think music still a thing. You mentioned my async music thing. Um, yep. That was a year ago, and I that platform didn't really catch on like I thought it would. I think it was too much technical uh, trouble mm-hmm. for producers mm-hmm. to make splits that all sounded good different ways. But yeah, we're starting sure. to see the evolution of that coming out. I saw I was listening to Snoop Dogg talk about Def Jam Records is doing like NFT releases, and it comes with splits so people can remix it, which I think is you know mm-hmm. a, a, a probably a new way of thinking about that. Um, so I or think there's that Kanye that stem player. We heard about yeah that. the stem player is cool it's yeah interesting it's interesting i don't fully get it and it seems limited to only four buttons four four stems uh but totally, i do like yeah. the ease of it um it, it feels almost like a toy that we would have bought when we were kids like a bop it toy yeah or it's right? kind of like or rubbery the, and kind of yeah, yeah 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 no i think it's it's interesting i think the concept's really cool i just don't know again mm-hmm. whether people like it's, no one's gonna buy two hundred dollars for it's that two hundred dollars yeah I mean, if you sold it for ETH, people would buy it, but yeah, it's true. It's true. You could be like 0.1 ETH, boom, gone. Yeah. No, I think, I think, I think music will be, uh, again, really big this year, but I think it'll be interesting to see how they tie it in because bands haven't fully figured it out. Even Portugal, the man, they put out a Portugal, the man coin. And all it gave you was access to a Google drive with their archive MP3s. And it's like, that's, that's cool, but it's not really utilizing what this is, should be doing. Um, And so I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that people will start Mm. to figure it out. And one thing I don't think has been figured out at all yet is comedy. How do we, how do comedians use NFTs? Yeah, I've had for thought. on my show who actually did have some projects with that. I'm trying to remember the name of it right now. One of the guys behind it was Norman Comics. That was He's a great guy. Um, and uh, he, I forget the name of the project. No, sorry, Norman. Uh, but anyway, uh, it did have like where you could participate in like stand-up comedy elements via the NFTs. Really? Kind of, Interesting. Kind of a cool concept. I'd have That's to neat. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Send me that I'll, I'll, I'll send the info to you. Yeah. I'll dig awesome. Through. I have a lot of episodes, so, so I've lost track. Yeah. But I think, you know, those are probably the things that, 
I probably should be focusing on more. Uh, I'll have some a cool wearable project I think coming out later this month. Um, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, in my last super rare, well, I guess two super rares ago, I did a 3D sculpture. So I'm gonna try and do more 3D sculptures. I gotta listen to my own words. I know it's it's like next week, everyone's gonna be like, oh, 3D sculptures are it. And I'll be like, oh, dang it. I should have listened to myself and made more now. Um, so yeah, we'll totally. see. Yeah. What do you think's next? I agree with you about the AR. I think that AR, I feel like that has more broad appeal to it than VR does because with VR, you're basically having to stay in a relatively constricted space and you're not really participating with the world at all. You're kind of insular, you know, whereas with AR, when they can get to the point where we can just walk around with these things and be showing our friends, you know, like for example, I have a Josie t-shirt and Mm -hmm. if you use the AR app on the phone, people can look at it and the shirt animates. People yep. love that. Like they just think mm-hmm. it's so cool, right? Because it's there in reality with you. You're not isolating yourself from reality to see it, you know? So to me, there's a, I feel like that's going to be the bigger thing than, than the yeah. VR for, at least for a while. VR is cool, right? But I feel like it's better if, you know, it's tied to our physical world. I think you nailed it. It's about experiencing it with others. Yes, and I think that's yeah. that's where VR feels a lot of times like a solo experience. Mm-hmm. Um, AR will allow us to have a warehouse in New York filled with 3D, ex, you know, sculptures, and we can all walk around and play in them together. Right. Well, and maybe at some point in the future, it comes to a point where it's like, why would I even bother buying a large screen TV? I'll just you know watch a giant TV in my living room yeah. with my AR, right? Or why would I bother putting paintings up on the wall i can change it to whatever image i want whenever i want to you know yep that's it i mean that's again accessorizing things in your home you know i've i've it's the shared experience like my Mm -hmm. wife and i we can't i mean we if we wanted to watch tv together in that sense it would have to be synced in a way um Mm -hmm. so i think that's going to be the that'll come that'll come it'll be here apple apple glasses will be out a year from now right that's what they keep saying. It be, it I think it'll it'll away. come with it'll come with ETH uh, 2.0. Yeah, usually these t- <laughs> things take exponentially longer yeah. than everybody expects. I mean, we were supposed to all be flying around by now, right? You know, yeah, according right. to like people in the 70s. Yeah, I've seen some of those jetpacks. They look pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish. Honestly, I think that'd be a nightmare. Honestly, could you imagine on a practical level if everybody was flying around on their spaceships to commute to work or whatever? Like, <laughs> I have a fear of heights, so no thanks. <laughs> You'd be flying just above the road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like stupid traffic. Yeah. <laughs> it's clear 20 feet up, Brian. Yeah, yeah, that's too high. <laughs> right on. Well, and when is this uh, nifty drop happening? It's going to be happening on 3-11. So, oh, oh Friday. Oh, okay. Right on. Wow, right away. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey. I'll, I'll start promoting it on Monday. When does this drop? There you go. Uh, I usually get these done really fast. Like, cool. I'll have it out this afternoon. So, oh, fantastic, awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I don't uh, think there's if... anything I need to delete. <laughs> no, I don't think so. If anybody made it this far, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, hey, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, um, good luck with all this uh, exciting stuff you got going on. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. And likewise, uh, we're, I'm right sure on. we'll get to see each other at an FTLA soon. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Right on. Okay, take care. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.